Praise the name of the Lord. He is worthy. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I think we have to be reminded, it's a beautiful thing to be reminded that we are loved by God, amen? That he loves us, that despite our shortcomings, despite whatever we may go through, he loves us, amen? Amen, amen. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 13. When you got it, say so. It says here, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our, and God, and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your presence in this place, God, and we thank you for what you brought us here for, God, to work in our hearts, to work in our lives, to remind us of truths, to call us to action, to empower us for service, God. Father, today I pray that your word would go forward upon the hearts of my brothers and sisters in a powerful way. I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it. I pray that you would glorify yourself in us, Lord God, that we would respond to you in faith, bringing glory to your name, for you are great and you are greatly to be praised. We ask you all of this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have one of the outlines, please raise your hand and we will make sure that you get one. Just hold your hand up until the ushers get it to you. Uh, very important for me that you have those outlines. We want to make sure that you are able to take some information home with you. Um, there's a couple of things that are important. Uh, obviously, one of them that I remind you of weekly is that we are called to make disciples. 
And so as we are called to make disciples and we are given the privilege to do that, and what we can do is you can utilize whatever it is that you're hearing on Sunday mornings, what you're learning from the Word of God, and you can help someone else grow in their faith. And so that's important. Uh, there's also some other things there. There's some questions on the outline for you personally for you to answer, like how do you feel the Lord spoke to you today, and also how are you going to live that out? How are you going to apply what you feel God spoke to you? And upon the request of Minister John Casanova, um, inside of the outline, you will notice that there is a little bit more information there. There is the introduction, and there is also the main points that I make. And so he asked me to do that because he said only 10 of you actually take notes. Hello. That's him. He's judging y'all. I'm just saying. He's judging you. Stone him. I said, no. I said, John, you're wrong. I'm like, this is a studious body of believers. Everybody is taking notes. Everybody's writing stuff down. Everybody is in it. Anyway, we agreed to just disagree. He was judgmental. I was gracious. And um, <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. We didn't go through all that. But nonetheless, um, at his request, I know, you know, sometimes I see people take pictures and things of that nature, and that's all good. You know, you can still do that. But I figured I would listen to his counsel, and I said, you know what, I'm going to put those main points in there. So you will have the main points written out, and, um, and you can take notes on the other side. And so I encourage you to do that as we go through the sermon. So this morning, we are continuing in our End Time Encouragement series. And so we've been here in the book of First and Second Thessalonians. And um, I'm the, you know, just so for the guests that are here, uh, I do enjoy going through books of the Bible. I like walking through the scriptures because it makes us walk through the whole counsel of God, not just parts that I'm necessarily comfortable preaching or that I get excited about or even that you may want to hear. There may be some times that I'm speaking on something that you really don't, you know, particularly care about or feel like it may be irrelevant or whatever the case may be. Nonetheless, the reality is that all of God's word is important for our lives. All of Scripture is divinely breathed in, and if we are going to be a balanced body of believers, if we're going to be a people who are solid in the Word of God, then we have to get into the Scriptures. And so usually the way that it works is typically as I put together the preaching calendar, I will go through some topical things throughout the year, and we'll deal with some topics, but typically I want to try to walk through books. And so that's where we're at right now. We're actually wrapping up a series we have this week. We have two more Sundays before Christmas Sunday, and now that I said that, let me remind you that there will be church here on Christmas Sunday. Amen. Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen. Amen. I'm just saying. You know, it happens like every five years. And listen, let me say this before I go on any further because I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But the reality is, like every five years is when church, uh, you know, lands. Christmas Day is on Sunday, right? About every five years or something like that. And so what, I, what I've always communicated is, hey, you know, if it is about Jesus, then let's go to church, let's worship together, and let's honor God, right? I mean, that's just my thought on it. And so what we have done, though, this year is we've done something different, and, and I miss my brother Eric. I mean, I enjoy playing keys. I enjoy singing and everything, but I definitely miss him being there. It's a lot easier to walk from there to here than from there to here. Amen. You would think that that's closer, but no, 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 no. It's much easier to go from there to here. Um, so all that being said, yeah, you know, um, Eric and Cheryl who are wearing vacation right now, they're working on a cruise. Amen. I want that job. I'm just, I'm just, I like my job. But nonetheless, um, they, um, Cheryl has been leading up this, this um, presentation that we're calling The Greatest Gift. Um, I put it on Facebook. For those of you that are on Facebook, you can share it with your friends. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to be here on that morning. It's going to be an awesome time, a great dramatization of the Gospel of Luke. It's going to be some acting, some singing. There's going to be some really beautiful stuff going on. And so I want to encourage you to be here. Uh, we're going to print something out so you can hand it out to at least one person and maybe bring a guest on that day. And we will do our best. I don't want to make any promises because I can't guarantee anything. But we will do our best to make sure that we are out of here by 12 o'clock. How does that sound? Okay, all right, I'm just saying, all right, no rush, we're here already, right? All right, so we'll go with 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock, that's a pushing a little bit too much, okay. But nonetheless, we will be timely, we will honor the fact that although Jesus is the reason for the season, everybody enjoys family time, amen? Everybody enjoys that, and so we want to be conscious of that as well, and so we want to encourage you to be here, enjoy our time together, so I want to encourage you to do that. So anyway, we are here, we have three weeks left, after that, then we'll start a new series in the um, uh, month of January, and... We'll move on from there, but if you follow along in your outline here, we live in a culture that is filled with high expectation, low commitment level. We want food fast, delicious, and nutritious. You know that's not, that's not possible, right? 
But we want it like that, nonetheless. That's how we want it. We want it fast. We want it delicious, right? And we want it nutritious. But that's just not a reality. You know, I remember growing up, you know, my mom, and, you know, my mom, she, she, she's old school. My mom could throw down. I'm going to let y'all know. Um, she only invites me over, though. That's it. Y'all out of luck. Maybe I'll invite one of y'all. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I remember being a kid as, as I was growing up. You know, how many of y'all know what a pressure cooker is? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, right? Like half of you don't even know, like, what is a pressure cooker? I know what a microwave is, right? That's, a, that's all we know. Um, but I remember my mom, you know, growing up, she used to always, I mean, at least a couple of times a week, I would see a, 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 um, a, whole, a thing with water and beans inside of there. And, you know, she had this big, you know, um, pot with water, and it was soaking the beans and softening them up and all that kind of stuff. And, man, y'all are getting hungry right now thinking about that, right? Anyway. If you like beans, you really got excited. But nonetheless, you know, there's, there's a way that stuff comes out. I'm not saying that those beans are necessarily nutritious, but they are delicious. Amen. Amen. So ultimately, the, the reality is that we can't just have stuff, you know, low commitment, you know, and have this great output. We want the most for our money, the highest quality items for the lowest cost possible. That's okay to want that, right? But nonetheless, we want that, right? That, that's, that's what we want. We want diet pills, potions, and plans that do all the work for us. Hello, somebody. We would all be fit and ripped. And, you know, our new name is Core, core, core I was going to say Core Fit. It's Core Faith Church. And so I'm debating about um, not getting a six-pack. Just so you know, this had nothing to do with physical fitness. But, but I'm still, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But anyway, um, the, the, the fact of the matter is that we would all, you know, we, we, we all want that, that six-pack. We all want to, you know, look a certain way. But we're not willing to get up early and go to the gym or go to the gym after work and, and eat right and all that kind of stuff. We're not willing to do that. But if we had a pill, if someone said to you, hey, man, here's a pill. You want to know how I know that? You know why these infomercials make money? Hello? You know how these companies are making money because they sold you a lie, and so we believe that. And so that's the kind of stuff that we want. So the reality is, you know, we want what? We want um, the benefits of marriage, sex, companionship, partnership, someone to come home to. But we don't want to put in the work. Right? I mean, that's how we are. That, that, the, the reality is that's how we are. We, you know, we want the benefits of all that is good, but we don't want to pay the price for what is good. And so the bottom line is this. We have a commitment issue, and the only solution is found when we value something more than our comfort. Did you hear that? The only solution is when we value something else more than our own comfort. You know, when we talk about the topic of marriage, some of you, you know, have gotten married when you were older. And, you know, I've had plenty of conversations with people that, you know, now, and as we're talking, you know, we, we, we have conversations, and they're like, oh, no, man, I'm never getting married. And it's because they really either A, and I'm going to say it like this, they either A, have not met the right person, or B, someone has given them something they shouldn't be giving them. Hello. It's one or the other. Because if you ain't got to pay for it, why are you going to buy it? Seriously. Like, if I could just walk into a store, you know, some of y'all go to Costco, Sam's, and stuff like that, you go on a certain day because you get to pick everything. You're like, hey, I get a sample of this. I ain't got to buy anything. You know, they're always trying to point you in the right direction. How, you know, if, if we, we're not going to survey today, but I know, you know, we walk there, and there's been, seriously, one time that I've actually walked from that thing to somewhere else to go ahead and get it. And you want to know what the truth is? I actually came back another time because whatever I tasted was so good. I'm going to tell you what it was. I need to be all in my business like that. I'm just kidding. It was pumpkin cheesecake for, you know, for Thanksgiving, whatever. But nonetheless, I taste it. I didn't buy it the first time. So people want, you know, we, we want this good stuff, but we don't want to pay the price for it, right? And so the Apostle Paul, second paragraph here, the Apostle Paul <clears throat> calls the church to stand fast, not for a while or for a moment, but until the coming of the Lord occurred. Listen to me. It is only when we value the gospel provision of salvation that we will value the gospel promise of consummation. Did you hear that? It is only when we value the gospel promise of salvation, when we value what Jesus has done for us, that we will value what that, the fact that Jesus is coming back for us. It is only in that place. And when we value the gospel, when we value what Jesus has already done, we will look forward to what Jesus says he will do and he will complete. But it doesn't happen the other way around. It's not until I'm overwhelmed by the goodness of God's grace, the goodness of God's love, as we were singing that song. And, and it's, so, it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite songs. I could literally, you know, and, and I mean, I'm, most of you in here can attest. I don't know about you, but I could play that song over and over and over. We could have sang it for another 20 minutes, and we would have never gotten tired. Well, some of you would have been like, can y'all shut up? <laughs> but for the spiritual ones in the room, right? 
The reality is to be reminded of God's love is so amazing. To be reminded of how much he cares for us, how much he is into us, and in the right ways because of what he's done. I mean, that is overwhelming and moves us to a place where, you know what, I really do look forward to what Jesus says is going to happen. You know, when you, when you experience, when you taste, you know, the Bible talks about taste and see the Lord is good. It's talking about experiencing God here and now. The little bit that we taste now is a foretaste of what we will taste in eternity. The little bit of what we are experiencing now is, is, is just a glimpse of what it is that we will see in his fullness when that time comes, when that sky cracks open and he calls us into glory with himself. That's what the end time encouragement is all about. It's all about us looking forward to Jesus returning for us, us being with him for eternity. And, le and listen, if we're not excited about what Jesus did for us on the cross, we will never be excited about what Jesus is going to do for us. Last paragraph here. As the church, we must develop an appreciation for the gospel that moves us into a gospel-centered steadfastness that looks forward to the return of Jesus and is committed to bringing the knowledge of Jesus to the world. I'll read that again. As the church, we must develop an appreciation for the gospel that moves us into a gospel-centered steadfastness that looks forward to the return of Jesus and is committed to bringing the knowledge of Jesus to the world. In our, in, our, um, in our vision carrier class this morning, I was sharing how sometimes, and I said this last week, and I'll probably say this again later on, but the truth of the matter is, sometimes in our lives, we become so overwhelmed by the here and the now, by the present situations, by what is going on now, that we forget that we have been called to be a light that shines brightly in a dark world. We forget that. And listen, I'm not talking, I'm not saying it's not, it's not okay to go through things where, man, there's, you know, you're not going to smile all the time. Hello. You're not, you're, you're not going to be feeling happy all the time, right? I mean, it's a, that, that, that's just not a reality. And listen, any Christian that walks around, you know, and they're always happy and, you know, there's never a bad day, praise God for them. Hello. They're probably lying. And they probably lie about other things too. But nonetheless, the truth is, that it's not about just being happy all the time. It's about us really being grateful for what Jesus has done for us. It's about really being grateful and, and, and living that life that even when I walk out of or into a difficult situation, that I can still bless him, that I can still honor him, that I can still exalt him, and that I can be sensitive when I walk into someone's life at a moment where God wants to use me to impact them for eternity. As we, were in our, our, as we were in our small group on Sunday, I mean on, on last Tuesday in, 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 Connect, in our Connect Life group, you know, we were talking about the shining brightly. And Sister Dawn was like, man, it just like that hits me that, man, we, we, we're called to shine brightly. We're called to reflect Jesus. Hello. Man, that's big. That wherever I go, that there's never a moment that God says, yep, you don't have to reflect me right now. There's never a moment. There's never a moment that God says, yeah, don't worry about being godly. Yeah, they really deserve you to cuss them out. Really, they do. Just go ahead. Don't worry about it. No, they really deserve that attitude from you. They really deserve. No, no, there's never a moment where God ever tells us that. God always calls us to shine brightly for him. And so we want to bring him glory. And so here's the, here's the big idea. I didn't write this one down for y'all. Y'all can write this one, all right? For the 10 of you that do it, according to John. I'm going to look right now. Let me see how many y'all are writing. Let me see how, how many y'all got your head down. Okay, one, two. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here's the big idea. The big idea is this. Wherever we are, by grace, we can and must stand fast. Wherever we are, by grace, we can and must stand fast. The title of the message this morning is Stand Fast. This is what Paul calls his people in the, in the, in the church of Thessalonica to do, for them to stand fast, for them to stand firm, for them to stay the course. That's what he calls them to. And so first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me, and now you, you have these four points in front of you, so you don't have to worry about writing them down. And the four things that I will go over, normally I have three points, today I had four just the way the scriptures broke down. And so the first thing is to stand fast, we must firmly believe the truth. The second one is to stand fast, we must fervently guard the truth. The third one is to stand fast, we must fully live the truth. And the last one is to stand fast, we must faithfully share the truth. So repeat this after me, say to stand fast, stand fast. we must firmly Believe the, truth. believe the truth 
And so look at this scripture with me, chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. And he says this here. He says, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning, say God from the beginning. Chose you. Say chose you. You don't have to keep repeating now. For salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we see here is the Apostle Paul begins with the encouragement of our salvation. Isn't it an awesome thing when you think about what God did in salvation? What Paul does is he clearly talks about the sovereign work of God in salvation. And here's what I want you to realize is God's sovereignty can never and should never be disconnected from God's love. Are you hearing me? We just said something. I had to repeat this after me. That you were from, from before, from the beginning, you were chosen. Did you hear that? Now... I want, I, want you to, I want you to get this. Hear what I'm going to say right now. Why I just said God's sovereignty can never be disconnected from God's love. Hear me. I had a conversation with a young man I'm trying to minister to him. I'm praying for his soul. I'm praying that he will come to faith in Christ. He was raised in church, went to church all of his life. Him and I were having a conversation, and, he's, and, and, and I asked him, I was like, hey, man, what, what was it that caused you to, like, start questioning things and, you know, inevitably turn away and he said you know man when someone told me about people being chosen so that really messed me up and it was heartbreaking for me because I'm like man it's a truth that should encourage us but when it's communicated incorrectly disconnected from God's love what it does is it creates confusion in hearts and so listen for all of us that wield the sword of the Word of God Make sure you wield the sword of the word of God with love, with grace, and with wisdom. Because wherever this young man heard this, he obviously didn't get the full understanding that his choosing, God's choosing, is rooted in God's love. Are you here? You see, when we understand that God, and, and look, Paul makes it clear. He's like, you know, but we are bound to give thanks to you, brethren, beloved from the Lord, because from the beginning, look, he says, from the beginning, um, from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, belief of, and belief in the truth to which you, he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so from the beginning, God loved. He's, what did he say? He said, brethren, beloved. Did you hear that? He prefaces everything that he says with brethren beloved. Because what God does for us is rooted in his love. And let me tell you something. There's two things that we need to realize when we deal with the sovereignty of God. That there are mysteries and there are certainties. There are mysteries in the sovereignty of God. And the biggest mystery is how does the sovereign work of God um, go hand in hand with man's responsibility? That's a mystery. Nobody, no theologian, nobody that I've ever read. And listen, I've read a few guys. I haven't read everyone. I mean, I don't read as much as, you know, some people. But I've read a lot of guys that, you know, they may fall on one side of the spectrum or the other. And when they all come to this question of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, they all say the same thing. Nobody really gets it. But what we have to understand is this, is we don't need to become overwhelmed by the mysteries. We need to be overcome by the certainties. It's the certainties that we should be overwhelmed by that I've been chosen. That's a good thing. Hello. That's a beautiful thing, that I'm a child of God, that God loves me, that God called me. I mean, th these are things that I should be rooted in. I shouldn't be overwhelmed by these other things. I must make sure that when I communicate, and I love what he says. He said, God called you, right? He called you in verse 14. He called you by the gospel. That word call, it means an urgent invitation. An urgent invitation to responsibility. He calls you. When he calls me, when he calls you, he calls us into a relationship with God. Not just to come. I love what Pastor Aldo said. It's not just about fire insurance. He's not just calling you so that way you can escape hell. He's calling you into a relationship with him. He's calling you into responsibility before him. He's calling you to do what? To be a light that shines in the midst of a dark world. To make sure that you are a person who is rooted in this gospel. If we are, firm, if we, if we are to firmly believe the truth, we must meditate upon the truth of the gospel often. Are you hearing that? 
If, if we are going to firmly believe, remember what I said, to stand fast, you must firmly believe the truth. The first thing he says that you are called to sanctification and the belief of the truth. It is that you firmly, that I firmly believe the truth of the word of God. And if I'm going to do that in a firm way, if I'm going to do that in a manner that I'm not going to be shaken when life hits me, when things are going on around me, as the church of Thessalonica, when, when, when persecution comes, if I am going to do that, it is going to be because I have stood firm on the word of God, because I have believed the word of God, and that is only going to happen if I'm meditating in the word of God. It's very important for us. And here's the things that we should be meditating on. We got to be consumed by the things that are clear. We got to be consumed by the fact that God loves us. Amen? Amen. We got to be consumed by the fact that God chose us. Amen? Amen. We got to be consumed by the fact that God sanctifies us. Amen? Amen. We got to be consumed that God enables us to believe. Amen? Amen? Those are things that we have to be consumed by. We got to be consumed by the fact that God calls us and he secures us by the gospel. For the glory we will share with Jesus. Those are the things that need to overwhelm our hearts so that we can stand firm in the truth of what God says in his word. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, to stand fast, we must fervently guard the truth. So the first thing is we must believe, right? We have to believe the truth. The second thing in verse 15, look what he says. He says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. He says, stand fast and hold. Now, before I talk about those words, which are where you get the understanding of guarding, I want to talk about this word tradition, because you'll find it a few times in the scriptures where he talks about traditions. And what I want you to realize is that he's not talking about man-made traditions. And he's not talking about denominational traditions. That's not what he's talking about at all. I want you to realize that when Paul wrote this, there were no denominations. Are you hearing me? Because it's easy for someone to take the Bible and be like, well, hey, you got to keep to the traditions. What traditions are we talking about? You got to be traditional in this way or traditional in that way. And so there's a problem because there's a disconnect. Paul was not talking about any traditions that were after he was communicating. He was talking about traditions that were there. So what does he mean when he talks about tradition? Tradition means truth passed down verbally from one person to another. Remember, when we're talking about the things that were happening, it wasn't, the, the, the Bible wasn't fully written out, you know, so things were being developed at that time. And Paul was saying, listen, you saw me model this before you. You saw us do this. We were given to preaching the word of God. You should be given to preaching the word of God. We were given to the apostles' doctrine. You should be given to that as well. We were given to prayer. You should be given to prayer. We were given to, uh, to fellowship of the saints. You should be given to fellowship of the saints. We were given to communion and the breaking of bread together. You should be given to that. Those were the traditions that Paul was talking about. Traditions that were rooted in the word of God, not in man's mind. Not the way that I feel church should be. Not the way you feel church should be. Not, no, no, no. He was saying the traditions of scripture, what we see clearly written out in the word of God, that is what we're supposed to do. That's one of the reasons why I chose well, when we started Faith Thoma. Oh, my goodness. Core Faith Church. Amen. That's one of the reasons. I'm, I, I like that. It keeps happening to me. But anyways, we're going to fix it in a little bit. It'll take a little while. But the whole reason when we started this church that I decided that I didn't want to be a particular denomination was not because I thought I was better than someone, not because I wanted to be some rebel, not because I didn't want to be accountable to anyone. The first thing I sought was someone to be accountable to. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with I didn't want to be subject to the tradition of any any particular, you know, um, denomination. I wanted to take the word of God, and if the word of God said, this is what should happen, then I wanted to be able to say, hey, that's what should happen. If the word of God said, no, that's not right, then I wanted to be able to say, no, that's not right. I wanted to be able to make the word of God the highest authority in the church, which is what is supposed to happen in the life of believers. We talked about it in our vision carry orientation today. The vision of our church is to please the Lord. That's what it is. It is to please God. That's what we want to do. How do we know what pleases him? Listen to what he says. Listen to what he communicates. And so Paul says to hold to these traditions. What does he mean when he says stand fast? The word stand fast, it means to stand firm. It means to persevere. It means to persist, to keep one's standing. 
to continue in a state with a possible implication of acceptability. It means to continue to be or to stand. This is what it means in essence. Not to move away from the truth of the gospel. To stay firm. To stay rooted. To know who you are in Christ. The reason, the, I mean, I love that part of the song. It's who I am. First of all, it's who he is. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. You don't ever go away from those truths. Those two truths always work together, always work in tandem, and they always keep us in the right mindset because no matter what I face, he's a good, good father. No matter what I'm going through, I'm loved by him. You see, I maintain those, and that's what the gospel teaches us. The gospel teaches us that we are sinners who are, set, who, who are apart from God because of our sinfulness, because of our rebellion against God, and we are on our way to hell because of what we have done by our commission and our omission, the things we do and the things we don't do. We are, that's what the scriptures teach, and no matter what we try to do, we cannot outdo our bad works with our good works, and that's what the gospel teaches. So Jesus comes as a substitute. We call it the bridge he comes as the bridge to connect to connect man with God and the gospel teaches me that because of what he did I am loved by him Amen. the greatest demonstration of God's love is the cross he shows us this and he wants to give us this new relationship. He wants to give us this new identity. That's what the gospel does for us. And so it's us coming into that place. So Paul is saying, stand fast. And then the other word is to hold. It means to hold firmly or to hold on to. It's talking about the truth, again, that has been modeled or taught. The things that have been passed down that are scriptural truth. To hold on to those. To stand firm in those. That's what he tells us to do. And those things together mean to guard. See, when I was thinking about this, and what I want you to realize is that we must not allow anything to move us out of position. How many of y'all have seen the movie Gladiator? Raise your hand real quick. All right, all of you. You're all spiritual, very spiritual. Amen. Glory to God. If you haven't seen Gladiator, I don't know if you're saved. I'm just saying. And we're going to have to check that. We're going to have to work on that, all right? We're having a Gladiator class after church, all right? It's, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go and check the new projector out in the 6 to 11 room over there. But anyway, Gladiator is an amazing movie, right? And there's one scene, and I was going to watch the scene so I could tell you exactly what happens. But you'll remember the scene if you saw the movie. But it's the, the, the first time that they go into the big arena. And, you know, um, Aurelius Maximus. Maximus Aurelius, whatever. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. But anyway, he goes in there. And remember, he's a general. He knows how to fight. He knows how to lead a team. He knows how to win. And what does he tell these guys? Hold the line. That's what he told them. Someone didn't hold the line. They got jacked up. Everybody else was like, yep, we're holding the line. <laughs> right? Only one person was a casualty. They said, let's listen to this guy. They held the line. They ended up winning, didn't they? They won. Because what? Because they held the line. And so what, what, what I realize is this, is that we must hold the line of faith for God's glory for our sake and for the sake of others. Did you hear me? We must hold the line of faith. For God's glory, but it's for our sake and for the sake of others. We we're, we're, Listen, we're, we're, we're not an island. It's not all about us. It's not all about my life. But we need to realize that when we abandon the position where God has placed us as his children, as his ambassadors, when we move from that place, and we're opening up the door for the enemy to come and wreak havoc in areas and cause problems that are unnecessary. But we have to hold the line of faith. We have to guard the truth. Third thing, repeat this after me. Say, to stand fast, stand fast. we must fully, we must fully live, the live the truth. To stand fast, we must fully live the truth. Let's look at verse 16 to 17. He says, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and, our, and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Again, there's that love. There's that everlasting consolation which is in our salvation. There is that good hope by grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Say word and work. Word and work. And so all of this is to do what? It's to help us to fully live the truth. We must, I said this a few weeks ago. I read it somewhere. Um, I, don't, I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. But it's, it is this. It is that we must preach what we practice. See, we often say it the other way. We must practice what we preach. But as Christians, we must preach 
what we practice. In other words, we are called to live this out. I'm not saying don't preach it. What I'm saying is start living it. I'm saying that we're supposed to practice. We're supposed to be doing. We're not just supposed to be pointing fingers. We're not just supposed to be telling people about where they're wrong or what they need to do. We need to be about the Father's work. This is the reality. For us as Christians, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so we're, we have to, in order for us to stand fast, we must fully live the truth. See, out of God's comfort, right, out of God's love, out of the hope, we must be established in word and deed. I love that he says that, that, that we would be established in every good word and deed, that we would not just be a people who speak about things, that we would not just be a people that hear when I pray on Sunday mornings, what I always pray. I'm always praying. I'm saying, God, help us to be doers of your word, not just hearers. Y'all are going to really enjoy next year when we go through the book of James. But let us be those who are hearing the word of God and doing the word of God, who are sharing the word of God and who are living the word of God. That's what we're called to do. We're called to do that. That's what God expects of, of us. As his image bearers through birth and new birth, we must reflect Christ, shining brightly, as I alluded to earlier, for the glory of God. And this only occurs as we fully submit to the word of God and live in obedience to the truth. Did you hear that? Not partially live the word of God. Not in some places. See, you know, you know what it is with us? I'll tell you what it is with us. Is that we are the type of people that we want to partially obey. You know, it's kind of like when you, we'll, we'll, we'll use diets because everybody likes to talk about diets, especially during the holidays, right? Amen. <laughs> right? We, 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 look, we look for the diet that offends us the least. Hello. Right? There's some people, like, listen, I'm going to be low carb because, you know, I really don't care about bread. Who doesn't care about bread? I mean, like, that is the devil. That is the worst. I mean, anyway, anyway, that, that's not the topic. As you can see, I haven't chose that diet. But nonetheless, <laughs> the point is, right, we choose the diet that least offends us. The diet that's going to be the most comfortable to us. That's what we choose. And it's the same thing in our spirituality. Right? What do we do? We choose the scriptures that, hey, man, you know, I like that one. Yeah, amen. We're going to do that one. We're going we're gonna to live that one. Yeah, amen. We got to do that. But when we come to this one over here, no, no, no I don't want to hear that. I'm going to get a second opinion. There ain't no second opinions. Hello. <laughs> let me go to the pastor up the street. Let me, get a, let me get some counseling with him. Maybe he'll tell me something different. I'm just saying. There is, no, there is no second opinion. If the word of God said no, the word of God meant no. Hello. If the word of God says yes, do it, the word of God means yes, do it. No second opinion. It is what God means. He meant it. And can I tell you something? You want a second opinion? Just read a little bit. You'll find it again. He repeats himself over and over and over. You know why? Because he knew you were looking for a second opinion. He knew you were going to be like, no, nah, I don't know about this God. I'm going to go find this other God and see what he thinks. No. This is what the scriptures are supposed to, glory to God. This is what the scriptures are supposed to do in our life. They're supposed to show us how we are to live fully everywhere, you know. It's like, you know, our, our spiritual lives are like our house, you know. There's, you know, and, and I, I don't know about you, um, but most kids, they typically, when you tell them to clean their room, they typically either put everything under the bed, in the closet, or somewhere where it's inconspicuous and you can't see it and the room looks clean. But the reality is, you open that closet, it ain't clean. You look under that bed, it ain't clean. For me, my biggest thing was not so much a, a messed up room, it was messed up drawers. Right? Look, my mom, she's pointing at it right now because it's true. It was always, I, and, and now you ask my wife, I'm like the military. I wasn't even in the military, I was in hers. I was in Jennifer's army. I was, I, was in, I was in boot camp all my life. I got it. I finally got it. My drawers look great now. But the point is, I would just try to shove clothing in the drawer. And, shove, and then you wonder when you're trying to pull it out, you can't get anything because the doggone drawer is all puffed up. But anyway, with clothing that's out of place. But it's the same thing with our spiritual lives. We, we're okay with God dealing with this area, this area, this area. Don't touch that. We must... Fully live the word of God. The fourth thing, repeat this after me. Say, to stand fast, we must faithfully share the truth. 
To stand fast, we must faithfully share the truth. This is the reality. So we have to, we, we, we have to believe the truth. We have to guard the truth, right? And we have to live the truth. But we also have to share the truth. I firmly believe this. There is nothing greater that the enemy works against than believers sharing the truth. Did you hear me? I firmly believe this. There is nothing greater that the enemy works against than believers sharing the truth. If we share the truth faithfully, people will be set free from their sin. The Bible says, he who knows the truth, right? The truth, the truth shall set you free, right? You shall know the truth and the truth shall, shall set you free. So the enemy doesn't want us to share the truth. The enemy wants us to share our opinions. He wants us to share other people's opinions. He doesn't want us to share God's word. He wants us to be intimidated to share the word of God. He wants us not to share the scriptures. He wants us to always want to be quiet or, or feel like we can't or we don't have something to offer in a conversation. Listen, don't let it be so with you. When Paul is speaking here, we'll look at it in, in, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Look what he says. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. I love the apostle Paul. If there's, if there's ever someone that I would think doesn't need anyone's prayers is this mighty man of God who is doing, I mean, they were taking aprons and handkerchiefs from him because the power of God was so amazing in his life. This guy is preaching. People are getting saved. I mean, he's raising churches. He's a missionary of missionaries. This guy is, 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 is a godly man, and he often reminds us, pray for him. And when he says that, I always have to tell you, pray for me. Make sure you pray for me. I'm nowhere near the caliber of a man of God of him, as him, but I will tell you this. Every man of God, every woman of God needs people praying for them. We need people to pray for us because we're not perfect. But you know what? It's not just about praying for our imperfections. I know you want to pray for all of our imperfections. Lord, help Bishop here. Help Bishop preach shorter. Some people say help Bishop preach longer. You know, Bishop, you know, y'all pray, pray whatever you want to pray. But listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul says, pray for us. And look what he says to pray for. That the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. What's his prayer? Pray for me so I can get that house. That's not it. Pray for me so I can experience this blessing. That isn't what he prays for. Pray that the word of God will run swiftly. That Christ would be glorified. That's what he prays for. When you pray for me, after you pray for all of my imperfections, pray that God's word would run swiftly out of my mouth. But be careful when you pray that because you're the one hearing it. So as you pray for me, you're praying for you. You're praying that you would be a doer of the word. You're praying that you would be receptive, right? You know, I love what one preacher said. He said, you know, we come to church, we come to church and listen with our elbows. That's for you, that's for you, that's for you. Listen, the reality is, he says, pray for the word of God. Why? Because God's word changes lives. God's word is what changes hearts. And so as God's word comes forward, as God's word comes forward and runs swiftly, lives are transformed. And so here's the thing. In a culture that is inundated with information portals and access to more study of scripture than ever before, we lack faith in the power of God's word. Are you here? You know, I was talking with Anna, we were having a conversation the other day, and we were talking about, you know, making decisions and pros and cons and stuff like that. And we had a good laugh about it and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, God doesn't always tell you to go with the pros. Are you here? He doesn't always tell you to go the way that's easy. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't think it was, I, I, when I, when I, you know, I use the example of Abraham. Like, you know, Abraham, go to a place that you don't know. That's the, I mean, think about this. You know, put it, put it in today's terms. Like, you're living at home. Everything is all good. You got everything you need. You got all the hookups, all the connections, every relationship you have. And God says, leave now. How many of y'all are going to just, I'm out? <laughs> no, you ain't going. You're pro and conning it. 
You're like, well, I don't know, Lord. <laughs> right? I need, I need a second opinion. I need a third opinion. I, I, need some, I need some confirmation. I need a wet blanket, right? I need a, I need a dry ground, you know, Gideon stuff, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I need, I, you know, I, I, need, I need all of this, right? I need all these signs and confirmations. But the truth is, you know, sometimes God go with the pros, okay, for sure. But here's what I want you to get. It is important for us that we are a people who are trusting God's word as being able to do what he says it will do. God's word is able to change lives. God's word is able to change hearts. God's word is able to sustain us. God's word is able to keep us. We have to stay rooted in the scriptures in order for us to see what God wants to do in our lives. And as a church, I say it like this. Many times in the church, we depend on our programming. We depend on all kinds of stuff. We're not depending upon the word of God. We're depending on all kinds of things in the church. And instead of depending on what is the most important, what is the most powerful, and that is God's word. You think about it. When we, when we talk about God's word, what are we saying? We're talking about the one who spoke and everything came to be. That's the word of God. That's what this is. The Bible says that the word of God is living and active. It is divinely breathed in. Theopneustos, right? Divinely, the breath of God breathed into us. So we what? So that way we can experience the power of God. So we can be changed. And so the reality is that we have to be those who are sharing the truth with this world. That we share the word of God. And listen, I want you to know something. I said this last week and I'll say this probably every time that I can think of it. Listen, the word of God is never going to be popular. It's funny because when I say that, you know that the word of God is the most sold book. The Bible is the most sold book, but it's not popular. So the reality is we have to be those who are sharing the truth because of the world that needs it. And I close with this. A commitment to faithfully sharing the truth will motivate us, increase and, and increase our ability to guard the truth, to live the truth, and believe the truth. Did you hear that? You see, when I, you, know, you can ask the guys who go out there to Church Street and they share the gospel. The one thing that I, you know, that, that I can guarantee you is that they are sharpened every time they have a conversation with someone who doesn't believe. When I sat down with a young man I'm telling you about, I'm about to get sharpened like never before. This guy's smart. This guy's studying. He knows his stuff. And, he's, you know, and, I, and, and I'm like, God, you got to give me wisdom because I'm not at that level. Hello. The reality is God is at that level and beyond. Are you here? Amen. But you and I will never be sharpened. If we are not sharing the truth. And so you know what happens? When I start sharing the truth, I told you about the story with the Jehovah's Witnesses that came to my house. You remember that story, right? The Jehovah's Witnesses came up. They rocked my life in the first few months of me being a Christian. My dad comes and, you know, calls me, lets me know that my grandfather, you know, he, he prints the watchtower. He tells me it's a false religion. And I went and did what? I started studying the deity of Jesus. When I saw them the next time, I was ready for them. Hello, somebody. Because I was in the word of God. But it wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have shared my faith. And so what happens is you want to believe? Start sharing. You want to guard it? Start sharing. You want, to, you, you, you want to be a person who is standing fast in the word of God. You want to live it? Start sharing. Because you know what? You start telling people about the word of God. Then you're all of a sudden brought to a higher standard. Because guess what? All eyes are on you. You start letting people know you're a Christian around you. All of a sudden you can feel their eyes. Hello. Listen, I know I do. When, I, when I'm around people that, that, that they know I'm a Christian, and I see them, man, I can feel their eyes looking. A, a girl walks by, I can feel their eyes in the back of my head. Let, let, let's, see, let, let's see what Mr. Christian's going to do here. I'm just saying. They're listening to see if I'm laughing at those jokes that other people are laughing at. They're listening to me. One day, one day I, was, I was in a workout, and I'll just tell you how, how and, and you call it paranoid, whatever you want to call it. But I was in a workout, and I was doing a movement, and one of the coaches was, like, far away from me. And so I was, you know, I'm working out. And, I, and listen, guys, I'm going to let you know right now, cursing is not a thing for me anymore. It used to be a thing when I was younger. It's not a thing for me. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you suck. That's what I said to myself. You heard what that? If you were standing far away from me, it might have sounded like I dropped the F-bomb. And I literally turned around, and I said, listen, I just want to let you know I did not say that. I said, you suck, and I was talking to myself. <laughs> right? Because I just want to make sure that there's no question about who I am. I want to make sure there's no question about what I stand for. But you know why that is? Because I am bold about my Christianity. 
because I want people to know. I want to share with them. I want to, I want to be able to communicate. And so if you want to be able to be that person that lives it, that believes it, and that guards it, you got to commit to sharing it. Not just for yourself, but for a world that desperately needs it. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Bow your heads for a moment. I just want you to just consider what you heard this morning. And my question is, as your heads are bowed and as your eyes are closed, where do you need to stand fast? Where is it that you need to stand fast? Do you need to stand fast in believing the Word of God? Is that, is, is that where it is? And you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling in an area of your life. I mean, you're, you, you could be going through something. And you really need to, I mean, you're struggling to stand fast. That could be you. Maybe you're in this place today and you're, and you're struggling to, to believe God, whatever, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're going through something there. Maybe you're having a problem guarding the truth. Maybe you have a bunch of other open doors in your life that you're just allowing other stuff to come in and confuse your faith and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's you in this place. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're struggling in a particular area to stand fast. You know, you're not able to live something in an area of your life. I don't know. But here's what I want you to know is that you and I, we cannot stand fast by ourselves. Christianity is not about just willing it to be. Christianity is about trusting in a God who is able. So you notice when Paul is there, he's saying that the God of all peace, he, he's talking about our God, our Savior, that he would comfort you with his love, that he would fill you with this hope, that he would, because we need the grace of God in order to stand fast. And so every eye closed, every head bowed, let's pray together. Father, you see my brothers and my sisters in this place. And you know everything that is going on in their lives, Lord God. You see where we are. And Lord, I just pray today that you would strengthen, that you would fill, that you would direct each and every one of us, Lord, to be a man and a woman that stands fast upon your word. That we would be those who believe the truth, Lord God. If we're struggling with belief, Lord God, deliver us from our doubts. If we're struggling to live the truth, Lord God, help us to be obedient. If we're struggling to guard the truth, Heavenly Father, help us to be vigilant. And Lord God, if we're struggling to share the truth, Father, help us to be bold. Help us to be bold. Help us to be gracious and loving. But Lord God, help us to open our mouths to a world that needs you. Father, today, fill us with your spirit. Glorify yourself in our lives. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. In Jesus' great name, and everyone said, Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.